0: I've lived in Northern Monmouth County in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in this part of New Jersey that are involved in the arts and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille LaSapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. For about half of her life, Diana McCory was sure she was going to be an actor. Oh, she tried. She did just about everything an aspiring actor does. She moved to New York. She went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. She auditioned for everything. And then she decided it just wasn't her thing and she's lucky that she did that because she has become a very successful television and movie screenwriter and producer today i'm going to talk to diana about why she made that decision to switch careers how difficult that was and what lessons she learned that she can pass on to other aspiring artists good morning diana good morning before we begin talking about your career and what you're currently doing I'd like to get your insights on the role of women in the entertainment industry. (laughs) Women are still struggling to be treated as equals. And I'd like to know if you have had to face barriers that your male colleagues did not have to.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I should start by saying that I haven't faced nearly as many barriers as women of color face in the entertainment industry. But it's, it's a lot of like sitting in a development meeting and coming up with an idea and no one seems to hear it. And then two minutes later, someone says the same idea and everybody likes it. And it's because it came out of a man's mouth. So there's been a lot of that. I've actually faced a lot less adversity as a freelance writer than I did when I was actually a development executive. There was something more rigidly misogynistic about the environment of an office than when you're the creative in a situation and people sort of listen to you more.
0: Now, I found that men tend to interrupt women a lot. (laughs) And the new. way the way I've dealt with it is I always interrupt people all the time in meetings. It, oh, I, I interrupt first. I'm the first <laughs> interrupter. They have to interrupt me. There you go. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm not great at that. When you grow up in a large family, you learn how to interrupt. Right. Otherwise, because never be you'll be never get a word in. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's not all men. I, I worked with a lot of men who were who came up with great ideas and were very respectful and wonderful to work with. But you feel like you have to overperform all the time and be really respectful and very sort of deferent and sweet and funny and appealing, but not but not sexy, sexy. right? Yeah. It's, and sort of confident but not aggressive. And it, there's just all these balance beams that you end up walking all the time. Uh, but I will say, like, since going freelance and just being a writer people come to you with a certain level of respect that I felt like I didn't get before.
0: I'm not really sure where to begin because you have an incredibly successful career (laughs) at such a young age. You started out as an actor graduating from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York, but your career has taken such a leap into so many other things. You've been an associate producer, a staff writer for a very popular podcast called The Truth, a development executive, and now you're the creator and writer for an animated show called Human Kind Of, nominated for the, the highest award in the field of animated television, correct? The Annies,
1: yeah. They're the Oscars or the Emmys for animation.
0: This is a coming-of-age show, and I wonder, is this based on your own experiences? Oh, definitely. It's,
1: it's about a, a teenage girl who finds out that her estranged father was an alien. All of the relationships are sort of based on my relationship. There's a, a best friend who's sort of an amalgamation of my real-life best friend and my little brother, The mother is this incredibly strong, wonderful, smart, fun, totally loving hippie lady who is exactly like my mom. In fact, the character design was eerily similar to my mom before the animators had even seen a picture of my mom. Like, I described this character to them emotionally, and they sent me a character design, and I was like, that looks exactly
0: like my mother. That's so
1: weird. It's definitely reflective of my adolescent experience, but. It's also just sort of a love letter to zany 50s sci-fi. And when I started working for that animation studio, I was just an intern, but I was like an old intern. You know, I was 25 when all the other interns were like 20 or 22. Uh, Because I came out of acting school, thought I was going to be an actor, tried auditioning for a year or so, absolutely hated it. (laughs) And then was writing the whole time anyway, and kind of decided that maybe that was what I actually liked about acting, the writing part, the making things up part and the world building and the sort of creating a new reality but I didn't really like the being watched part I guess
0: which is kind of hard if you're an actor yeah. exactly
1: so then i i went back to school for screenwriting and then i ended up getting this internship at this animation studio which was originally a film production company but they just totally did a 180 and became an animation studio because the guys who ran it had a bunch of money and they were like we want to do animation now so i was an intern and then i was pretty tenacious about not going away so they hired me as a, an office manager and then i moved up to production manager which is basically going from like buying stamps to like writing the letters that the stamps go on. And then Development Executive was more, look at the submissions we would get for short web series. And I would sort of shepherd that project so, yeah, I, I actually really liked being a development executive for a lot of reasons because mm. you have to sort of want the project to be what the creator wants the project to be instead of what you want the project to be. So it's more thinking collaboratively right. and thinking with other people and, and really rooting for the creator to do a good job. Now I'm just a writer and a producer, but I'm, I'm working on all of my own projects now, which is amazing.
0: Let me ask you, obviously you meet a lot of interesting people in I this do. business. But who's the most surprising person
1: that you've met? Probably Aaron Paul, who is one of the main characters on Breaking Bad. He's Jesse on Breaking Bad. And he is an executive producer on a project that we're trying to get made right now. First, I'll explain how that works. Like when you get a famous person to sort of show up as an attachment to your project, that usually means that they will show up at pitches with you and say, I'm going to be in this or I'm going to like help shepherd this through the process. But there's a range of involvement. Some of those people will just show up at a pitch having no idea what this project is because their manager told them that they should be attached to it. And other people will be like deeply involved and want to take control. But Aaron (laughs) is like the dream person to work with because as soon as I met him, he had read and seen everything I've ever done. And he had read the entire pitch for the thing we were supposed to work on together and he had notes, but he didn't want to like step on anybody's toes. And then when he would come into a room, like we pitched it all over town late last year and he is just enchanted. Not that I expected him to be a dick.
0: But like, yeah, but yeah, it was, he was it's just nice. so wonderful. Yeah. Has your career taken the path that you thought it was going to take? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was funny. When I was driving here, I was thinking, in some ways, I think like 12 year old me would be really excited about where my life is at now, or 18 year old me, but they would definitely be pretty surprised because I definitely thought I wanted to act.
0: People always talk about finding your passion and a lot of people think that that means you start doing something and you're really passionate about it immediately. It's really more about trying different things to see what makes you passionate. Right. Some people know immediately but not everybody most people don't have that one singular thing they want to do and you did but you realized that that really wasn't your passion right it it
1: came from the same place I think it was driven by the same desire to like imagine other worlds and stuff but I definitely I definitely agreed
0: when you were a kid did you used to write plays I did I wrote one
1: play about wolves but I mostly wrote little short stories like I remember when I was Well, I don't remember, but my mom tells me (laughs) that uh, when I was in preschool, I would dictate short stories to my preschool teacher about aliens or monsters, and that's most of what I write now, so (laughs) I haven't
0: really changed. You haven't really grown up, Diana. (laughs)
1: No, I haven't. The writing that I do now pushes all the same buttons and like tickles all the same places and makes all the parts of me warm that I thought acting would and then acting didn't and I think a lot of that was tied to like why don't I like doing this I always wanted to do this and that was really disappointing and why do I get so anxious when I do it and Mm. why do I hate being like looked at so much of it's tied up in so much misogyny in the industry like everybody's just looking at your body And as a writer, like, nobody needs to even know what you look like. It's great. It's just your brain, your brain on paper. I I know how lucky I am to be doing exactly what I want and to get paid to do exactly what. Because I kind of thought once I started writing, it would be much harder than acting and I would never get paid to
0: do it. But probably easier to get paid right for writing than I, acting. I think ultimately, yeah, it's
1: harder to do, I think. Like when I was acting, it felt a little more like there's a script, you know, there's like somebody's telling you what to do right? and you get some direction. But when you're writing, you're like completely alone. And the more you write and the more people like what you write, the more freedom they give you to write whatever you want. So yeah. there's just like no playbook for anything you're doing. So it's more of a, I think it's to me it's more of a challenge than acting was.
0: So, so I, I write short stories. Now, when I was in high school, I had a teacher. He became one of my best friends over the oh. years. And Danny Flynn, he was, a, he was a great guy. And I used to say to him, "Could you give me like a writing assignment?" Yeah. And oh. he wouldn't do it. He's like, "No, oh. I'm not giving you." I go, "Please." He goes, "Give Please. me." A, and they tell me what to write, and then I can just take off. And I don't yeah, have it to, feels do, you know. So
1: much nicer. Well, not all. Sometimes what you want to do is like exactly what you want to do, and you have a vision, and right. it's like, "Leave me alone. This is what I want." But other times, like you just want a compass. You yeah. just want a map. You just want somebody to give you a deadline yeah. and a, an assignment. I'm really, really lucky to have managers who are like very involved in my life on every level. They kind of know my system now and they know my habits. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm like floundering and I'm like, but I don't know when I need to get this done and I have six projects I'm working on, which one do I need to be working on right now? They're like do this by Friday, how about that? I'm really, really lucky to have managers who do that because honestly my bosses don't. Like I work for Freeform and I work for a couple other networks or, or well, I only work for Freeform right now, but I've worked for a couple other networks and I work with a couple other producers. But they trust me, I guess, and yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, ah, whenever you want to turn it in, it's fine. No, no, no. Like, no, please. Yeah, Friday. Me deadline. Next Friday <laughs> is when I will turn it in. Hold me to it. Be mad at me if I don't. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I, I'm so fascinated by all the things that you've done and that you're doing now that I want to move into some of that stuff that's oh. just recently happened to right. you. So tell me about the pilot that you sold to um Freeform, which is a cable channel for those who don't know.
1: Actually, Freeform used to be ABC Family. and think their audience just got older and now they're kind of doing stuff for 20-somethings. I think they call their audience becomers. People who are sort of in the position I was in when I was in acting school where I was like, I think I want to do this, but I don't actually have any idea what I'm doing. Yes. So a lot of their content is sort of about people figuring out their early adulthood. I had just written a pilot for the Disney Channel, which was obviously a much younger audience and it was super fun to work on and I loved that. We were just sort of figuring out whether it was going to get picked up to series or not and then I happened to pitch a a show to Freeform that was not this show that I'm working on with them now and they liked that pitch and I think they were interested in it but it was very edgy it was about sexually transmitted superpowers which I thought was fun but is maybe not for Freeform so we pitched that to Freeform Freeform was like we really like this I don't know if we can actually do it (laughs) (laughs) though they had read my writing sample which most tv writers have like a pilot that they send out as sort of a calling card it's like Mm -hmm. if you like this writing then you'll love what i'm working on now um so they had read that pilot and they heard my pitch and they liked the pitch but they weren't sure they could do it and they were like well is your writing sample available like is that something that we could just have so it was like it's definitely for sale it's a hot lead uh, anticipated yeah. everybody wants it so yeah. you might have to wait <clears throat> uh, and they were like highest bidder <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right <laughs> as if anybody else offered to buy it yeah. so they basically just asked me to put together like a little pitch document on the show they got my pitch documents and they were like we love this maybe we can make it a little more free form by adding like a network of female friends and like a, yeah. <laughs> a love story and blah 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 so i did that and i pitched it to them and they bought it in the zoom which i was like I thought we were just going to discuss the show in this, like, yeah. you know, call. And then at the end of the call, when I had, like, sort of talked at, until I was blue in the face, the president of, of programming, Lynn Barry, she was like, well, I think I speak for everybody when I say we want to make this show with you. And then everybody clapped. And then I was like, whoa. What is, do I clap? Do I just Take shut bow? this off? Right. So I was just like, thank you. Oh, my God. Um, bye. <laughs> I just, like, hung up on everybody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then I called my managers. and they were like, I don't know what happened. They clapped and I hung up on them and they were like, I think they bought it. Yeah. And they did. Pitching is very, very hard for me. I, yeah. I get very nervous and very, because I'm not a salesperson. I just, I, yeah. I want to write the thing and I want you to read it and then we can talk about it. I'm happy to tell you my ideas yeah. for it, but I don't like persuading people. It gets easier as it goes on, but Zoom pitching is a different animal. Yeah. Like I was just starting to get good at like real life pitching, but in Zoom, like you're not looking anybody in the eye. You can't really tell what they're doing. Every Everybody has to feign, like, absolutely. Everybody's looking at themselves in the. Right, always, yeah.
0: (laughs) Now, all of us have grown up with Disney, it's probably the best known name in entertainment. Freeform is a subsidiary of the it Walt is. Disney Company, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been working for Disney for two years. And you sold a pitch to Disney just it's recently. Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How do you go about even getting a meeting with Disney, never mind selling them a pitch?
1: Um, Managers. When younger writers usually ask me stuff like this, like, well, how do you sell a thing to a TV studio? I, I feel sad that I can't give them better advice than, like, you need representation. And you kind of can't get representation until you have something to show representation. And it's sort of this awful catch-22 of, like, how do you get a Manager if you don't have a show, how do you get a show if you don't have a manager? But I think you can make things yourself that are sort of low budget and low visibility that are good, and then you just cold call people and start showing it around, and then once you get enough attention, enough views, or like you show it to one notable person who likes it, and then they can show it to their friend who has a manager or whatever. It can work that way. But all of my meetings come through my managers who are the most lovely people in the world. And they introduced me to the development team at the Disney Channel and I, uh, totally messed the first meeting up like really badly (laughs) and then i was like well i'll never work for any disney company after this because i just completely blew that and then they told my managers that they loved me and i was very sweet i think i they felt bad for me maybe yeah so then they let me send them pitches and it was interesting because the first round of pitches i sent the disney channel they were like you're clearly sending us ideas you think are very disney channel but that's not what we want like we want your ideas and we will tell you if they're not disney channel
0: enough which is great right
1: it was so unexpected because I didn't even really originally want to pitch them because I didn't think that my material would be something that they liked because my stuff tends to be pretty edgy and weird. When I sent them the first round they were like don't sell us our own stuff. You know yeah. like don't yeah. send us things that you think that we want. Send us the things that you're most excited about working on. So, I sent them the stuff that I thought would be the most fun, and they picked one. It was basically about my best friend moving across the country. So, I wrote this idea about these two best friends in middle school who get separated by a cross country move, and then they realize that they can jump into each other's brains and brain swap. But it's sort of like being John Malkovich for middle school girls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They loved it, and it was really fun. But, Freeform is a very different experience because it's much more adult and it's animated. So, I can sort of like, write whatever I want. Right. Um, so that's been really, really, really fun. Uh, and that pilot was my writing sample, so I've been working on it for years, and it's been like a dream project for such a long time. And they me like complete creative freedom to do all this wild stuff and it's it's nice when notes are like actually making the project better because sometimes you get notes and you're like oh how am I supposed to do this yeah. like this is just gonna derail this whole thing that I was trying to do yeah. and then other times people are like this relationship will have more of a payoff or this like this whole storyline kind of is a dead end this will fix it and you're like oh this you're doing my job for me Yeah. yeah.
0: now you have a new show under development with Sony and yes, you're working on a scripted podcast too Yes, I am. How do you juggle all these different projects that you're working on?
1: It's actually not as hard as you would think. There are times when it's difficult, when it feels like it's too many things at once and uh, too many people want things from me. For the most part, it's like rolling deadlines and a lot of time spent waiting for notes on things. Like for instance, two weeks ago, I spent working on the Freeform thing. Um, And it was a rough week. It was one of those weeks where I was like, I do not know how to solve this problem. And then I cracked this like one piece of the puzzle and it all sort of fell into place. And then I finally sent it in. But then you wait two weeks for notes. So that's like the perfect window to work on one of the other projects. It usually time-wise works out. And then when it's like, oh no, this person wants this and this person wants this at the same time, Uh, then it's just a matter of who's paying me more.
0: I would ask you to list the things that you're working on, but there's so many that instead I'm going to just ask yeah. you, tell us, what your, <laughs> tell us what your website is so people can go to your website and see what you're Great. working on and what's coming up.
1: Yeah, it's just DianaMcCoury.com.
0: M-C-C-O-R-R-Y. Last question. Okay. You have been able to follow a career path in the arts and be highly successful at a fairly young age. What kind of advice would you give other aspiring actors, writers, producers, so that they can benefit from the experiences and success that you've already had?
1: When I get asked that question by younger or aspiring writers and actors and creatives, I think, like, don't try to be what you think the industry wants. Just whatever makes you weird, do that. Like Embrace do, it. Yeah, yeah. like, w- whatever you think makes you different from everybody else, that's what everybody wants. Like, they want to know who you actually are. Because I, I've definitely spent too much time trying to give producers or networks or studios, like, what I think they want. And that is never what they want. They mm-hmm always want the personal story they always want the the thing that makes you unique, the thing that makes you weird. And especially if you're a little embarrassed about it, or it feels a little <laughs> too personal, or a little, like, you have a little shame mixed up in it, yeah. people eat that up. <laughs> so right. like, put it on the outside, mm-hmm. just get it out. And it's it's therapeutic, it's cathartic. And if, if people don't like you, then you don't wanna work with them either, yeah. you know? Like, don't waste time. And rejection is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, it, well, it's humbling. You just get over it really quickly. Like, I, I no get calluses. longer- calluses. You totally do. And I remember feeling, like, really, really sensitive about any form of rejection, any note, really. Like, any mm-hmm. criticism whatsoever would just break my heart and make me feel like a piece of shit. And now, I really don't feel anything. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel a little bit of, like, oh, sometimes I think that note is, it hurts my feelings because I really like that character and I thought that moment was really great. But whenever I get a no on a project, I'm like, well, fuck you, too. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: We can say that on on podcasts. Right as a podcast. (laughs) This isn't network television. (laughs) Well, Diana, thank you so much. This has been (laughs) fun. (laughs) Yes. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucila Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk.